This is Loika Darkroom. This is where we share stories and celebrate the success of photographers in the Web3 space. I'm your host, Pam Voth. Let's go into the darkroom and see what develops. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, that's your host for today. Uh, and that's Ev uh, coming to you live from San Diego. Um, hopefully you've been doing well. Uh, this is our Friday darkroom space. Um, and that's a special uh, uh, space because this is the one where we talk uh, nerdy and we talk about uh, a whole set of issues um, and try to unpack a few things. Um, and so for, for this week, there is uh, a couple of things that I would love to chat about. The one big um, uh, event that happened this week was the uh, hack of another uh, exchange, uh, Wintermute, which is one of the biggest liquidity providers. Um, the hack was for $160 million after uh, the whole industry was repeatedly uh, warned about the possibility of that happening and that happened. And so kind of like we'll unpack a, a little bit about in, um, in this regard. And um, um, another couple of things uh, that we'll talk about. The one is, is, you know, quote unquote, your own smart contract really yours? Um, and lastly, some topic that um, I've asked around to uh, get feedback from photographers, which I really appreciate. I got a lot of feedback, lots of comments, is basically what's the hardest thing and the most difficult thing in Web3 uh, right now? Uh, and many of you have answered this, I really appreciate it, is basically uh, how to become visible and how to market, how to get sales. Um, and so we'll, we'll be talking about this in, in just a moment. Um, if you want to uh, come up and speak uh, and participate in a conversation, please request uh, so and we'll chat with you in just a moment. All right. So, uh, yeah, the uh, kind of like the number one biggest news that happened uh, was the uh, Wintermute hack. Uh, I should probably find some some tweets about that. Um, that happened just a few days ago. The company uh, basically lost in a few trades about $160 million. Um, uh, supposedly, the company is still liquid and will be able to recover from that. But it's basically about a one third of all the uh, resources that the company had. And um, the very interesting fact that this happened because they were using a vanity wallet. And so uh, vanity wallets are the ones that you basically can uh, mine to create a wallet that has some cool numbers or letters uh, in it so that it looks nicer. Um, and some of the more famous ones is probably the burn wallet for OpenSea, which ends with D-E-A-D uh, to spell dead. Uh, and like, basically followed by a whole bunch of zeros. Um, those wallets are potentially, uh, but potentially open to hacking because uh, the reason for this is that tools that crunch those wallets that basically uh, go through a whole number of computations to find the right wallet. And usually it takes a few trillion combinations, maybe a few hundred billion combinations uh, to find that uh, they employ specific algorithms. And those algorithms uh, allow a little bit easier access to finding, uh, if you know the algorithm, basically, if you can guess uh, or know what the algorithm is used in generation of those wallets, it becomes a lot easier and cheaper to uh, find uh, private keys for this wallet. Uh, and so that is uh, partially been announced uh, by security researchers about 
I think about uh, two weeks ago, or maybe slightly less than two weeks ago, uh, saying that you know they found the um, uh, vulnerability and that if you're using one of those uh, uh, vanity wallets, then you probably want to change it. You probably want to change the owner uh, of the smart contract. Uh, and um, Wintermute was using one of those vanity wallets to control the operations, basically. Like it, it was one of the core accounts. Um, a bit of negligence, a bit of um, not checking with the latest security updates, like zero, uh, zero day hacks uh, led to um, quite a bit of a hole in the company. So um, interesting to see that even the smartest, more most secure companies uh, are still vulnerable to that. And uh, kind of like, you know, tells us that Web3 is probably still early. And uh, if uh, highly secure places uh, with a lot of focus on adding um, secure, like proper security practices of vulnerable for those attacks, then uh, obviously for uh, smaller startups or newer startups or startups that are not necessarily focusing on security as number one thing, it might become even more prevalent, especially as they grow in popularity. So that is something to keep uh, an eye on. And yeah, in case if you use Vanity uh, Wallet Creator, uh, check with your friendly neighbor to see if you need to update your security in any way. So that, that might be uh, critical going forward. Um, that is kind of like one of the big news. Obviously, uh, I think looking and judging by the Ethereum price, uh, there's been a bit of a uh, slump on that. Uh, hard to know the exact reasons. Uh, the overall market has been down uh, pretty significantly. Um, one interesting thing to note is that uh, I forgot it was if it was a federal, probably CES, uh, the Security Exchange Commission, uh, I believe, uh, basically waited until the merge, the whole thing that we've been waiting for seven years. And just after the merge happened, uh, they started making overtures that, hey guys, uh, well, now that it's proof of stake, now it's definitely a security. And so I think it spooked a lot of people. Uh, and I believe that's probably the reason for at least part of the uh, slump in Ethereum price that we've seen. Um, if we're checking it right now, let me open it. my app that I'm tracking. It's under 1300 US dollars, uh, pretty much kind of like higher than the lowest low that we've seen in the last 12 months, but uh, pretty much below 4800 that uh, many been thinking is just a temporary uh, temporary pause on the way to 10,000. So 10,000 is not happening uh, anytime soon. Uh, but some smarter people in the industry are thinking that uh, maybe uh, $14 is happening next. Um, I should probably pin it to the top so we can uh, all enjoy this uh, slightly sassy uh, tweet because it is uh, it could be brutal. Uh, but I'm glad that you all here uh, listening and hopefully participating and knowing kind of like, you know, what, what to do and what to, uh, what actions to take. And so, uh, those are the two main kind of like broader Ethereum news. Um, one thing that I was researching this past week is trying to answer a question, uh, whether, you know, quote unquote, your own smart contract is really yours. And, um, I'm not quite ready to share the bombshell news, uh, but I discovered something that is really astounding, that uh, some services are 
providing you what they might call your own smart contract. Uh, and in result, you are basically not the owner of that smart contract. And the NFTs can be brought down. Um, I'm still doing a lot of um, kind of like investigating, reading the terms and services, but so far it's been pretty, I, I wanted to share that news yesterday, uh, frankly, and I'm like, that's not possible. <laughs> that's not possible that uh, tens of thousands of photographers, uh, probably hundreds of thousands of artists are under a significant risk of their NFTs being taken away. And obviously that's uh, so big that I'm like, I probably, I'm probably wrong. Like I probably need to do some more uh, research to indicate that uh, what I'm reading is correct. Uh, but it was astounding to me to even just basically read some of those terms and uh, realize those things. So um, pretty significant development. Uh, again, don't see people tweeting or talking about this. So I'm not sure if others noticed this. Uh, we'll probably have to We'll probably have to kind of like go back and do some more reading. But anyway, the the essence of a smart contract is that it consists of basically uh, three main pieces, I would say. So the first piece is a bit of a, a tiny little blockchain record uh, that contains uh, some of the characteristics of what you have as, uh, you know, what you might deem as a, as, as a smart contract, uh, which is usually kind of like, what are your NFTs, where they're stored, uh, places like RVEV or IPFS, uh, your royalty rate, if it's embedded, uh, if you're doing that on uh, uh, not on OpenSea, um, and uh, things related to like properties, uh, metadata, and stuff like that. So all of this is uh, something that's minted, something that you have uh, usually in your wallet upon creation. Um, the other big part of that is that any platform uh, separates the platform logic uh, on-chain from the NFTs that are minted. And that means that there's a big chunk of code that sits uh, in uh, on Ethereum blockchain. And usually that's actually pretty costly to put on-chain because there's a lot of code that governs specific uh, things related to overall NFTs of that platform. And those might be kind of like what happens if you transfer this. For example, if you transfer this, is there a function that allows you to transfer it back? Um, and there's some that do. So it's it's not a very common uh, thing to look at. But potentially, if you transfer uh, a specially coded NFT to someone else, you can call it back and you can still have it in your wallet, uh, which is obviously surprising to uh, to many people because you might think like, well, it's immutable, it's on the blockchain, so transactions are final. And yes, those transactions are final uh, unless there is a piece of code that allows you to execute specific actions. Um, and some of those actions might be, you know, change an image on a transfer or change metadata uh, on um, some of those actions or maybe it's time sensitive and uh, over kind of like you know it counts down uh, after the transfer so you can think of that as an app and uh, as apps on a smartphone can do a lot of things from showing you weather to showing you activity and steps taken and stuff like this it's pretty much the same in nfts so depending on the uh, purpose you can have an nft that does specific things and execute specific actions depending on depending on um, what the creator wants it to do. Uh, and so the the platform part is uh, I would say fairly low risk, but depending on which parts are part of the platform um, that you're uh, minting on uh, might actually change your uh, 
properties or parts of those NFTs. And so basically it's important to not only uh, take a look at uh, what you're getting, like what are the NFTs in, in your wallet and uh, how you can process them and sell them and establish relationship with collectors. Um, this is also something that collectors uh, get to uh, explore because if uh, in case of some NFTs, if you are able to change uh, uh, images, for example, underlying images in those NFTs, uh, that can be uh, seem like a risk to collectors. Um, an example of this where it's used quite often are PFP projects. Uh, and in PFP projects, it's quite common to have a reveal phase where you buy something and you don't know exactly what you're getting. And then on the reveal, uh, the image is updated and the properties are updated. And so you might realize whether you have a rare piece or not. And so during the reveal, that means that metadata is updated. And so the images are updated and properties are updated. So uh, in case if the um, contract owner wants to keep updating this, and maybe you, as the, uh, as the owner of this NFT, maybe if you break some uh, terms of service, that NFT might update to basically uh, something uh, that's more worthless uh, than it is today. And so that part becomes more and more important as, we, as we've seen. And having some of this guarantee uh, to collectors will become more important in the future. Again, really hard to kind of like research everything, really hard to get into uh, the weight of things and be like, oh, well, this contract is centralized or this contract is not centralized. Uh, again, we're in, at a place where majority of NFTs uh, sold are still, not majority, majority, uh, the majority of volume of NFTs, uh, at least minted, are minted on contracts that are not audited. Um, so it's impossible to see kind of like who uh, is, uh, wh what kind of code we're talking about and what are the changes that are possible with those particular contracts. Uh, obviously referring to OpenSea in this regard as the as the biggest uh, beast of, of them all. And the NFTs minted on there, it's impossible to see uh, how good or bad the uh, smart contract code is. So uh, uh, audits, are, audits are important and public uh, kind of like public opinion on that is also important. And so, yeah, smart contracts. Uh, yeah, unpacking some of some of the smart contracts. Um, the other thing that I'll probably have to tweet, uh, sort of pin a few tweets from the conversation that I had, uh, was the question that I asked regarding what's the most difficult thing that you've done. And so I'm just looking through tweets. Uh, I'll probably pin a few more. So I'll pin the one that's um, have the whole... Uh, the whole thread and I will basically uh, pin a few more and I'll read them through. So one of them, um, after the question was asked, photographers, what's the most difficult thing for you in Web3 right now? Um, one, Dr. Vimal answered, I'm an introvert. I still try to talk about my photos in various spaces, but talking about the same work frequently uh, with the same people feels odd. For my current dance series, everybody praises it uh, a lot, but no one collected any of it. I'm not sure what mistake I'm doing. Um, and there's a lot of those. There's like 60 uh, replies so far to those conversations. Um, I really feel that uh, in, in some of these cases, you know, like my reply to Dr. Rishal was, um, if we look at actors, um, you know, comedians, politicians that show up uh, and do their comedy routines, for example, or speeches, they do this the same thing over and over again for 
years for months if it's a campaign for years it's a if it's a popular routine in case of comedy or actors um or if they're releasing new movie they, they go on um, late night shows and they do the same thing over and over again they talk a little bit about movie they talk a little bit about stories in their life uh oftentimes it's the same speech over and over again and so the realization that to get the message across you need to show up in well, different spaces or the same spaces and basically keep sharing the same thing uh, several times, uh, maybe, I don't even know how many times, a lot, a lot of times to get the same message across is pretty hard on, on most people. And I think it's probably hard for politicians and comedy uh, and actors and everybody else as well, where you just show up and you have to put a smile on your face and you have to be convincing and you have to do the same thing over and over again to win uh, a small audience at a time uh, and keep doing it over and over again. And so it's kind of like important to put it in perspective that uh, if we look at, you know, political rallies uh, or we look at actors that are better grossing or have more fans over the world, um, those are the ones that are showing up to venues big and small and interact with their fans. Um, even if it's a small venue of, I don't even know, like a few hundred people for a big actor, um, they would not... Uh, cancel that they would still do that with their full energy and potential and so for them obviously the uh, result and value of spending this time is pretty obvious sometimes it's included in the contract so you cannot escape it uh, sometimes it's uh, um, kind of like part of their identity that they would go and do more of this. And um, something that I read in the book by Will Smith uh, called Will, um, he was quoting where he was saying like, um, he wanted to know what's the secret of Tom Cruise um, success. And one of his agents told him that Tom Cruise just goes everywhere, that he works, you know, 24 seven, he gets on the plane, he goes to far remote places, he goes to Europe uh, to promote the hell out of the film. And Will Smith said, well, I will outwork Tom Cruise. I will actually get on a plane. I'll get to all of those uh, places. And the reason for this is that there is a bit of a math involved, is that uh, obviously if you show up on a late night show, that covers like a million people. Uh, but if you get on a plane and you fly to a small European town, for example, then you're uh, maybe meeting a few hundred fans and maybe of those 200 fans, they will go to the movie. So you might add, you know, like 40,000 in total grossing uh, volume to the film. But if you do it consistently, if you have three, four uh, tours uh, a day and then you get on a plane, get on a different city, then over a few weeks, you can potentially add, you know, between 100 million, maybe 200 million to a movie that will cross something like seven to 800 million anyway. And so that marginal cost is obviously uh, very uh, labor intensive. But basically, that's uh, that's the thing that Tom Cruise and then Will Smith are doing by, you know, making sure that they will shop everywhere for their movies, uh, even though it's uh, it's a lot of hard work. Um, and so, yeah, I'll read some more um, of this. Uh, Matt Anderson was was saying that probably reaching people is number one. So uh, there's been uh, uh, there's been a lot of those where uh, somebody would say, let me read some more. Uh, Netty would say getting visibility that I truly deserve. Uh, and I agree there's a lot of really well-deserving artists. 
Um, but the theme is very, very common, is that we started by using Twitter uh, at a time where Twitter uh, became kind of like the major tool to reach uh, collectors of crypto art, of crypto, uh, kind of like NFTs in general, crypto art in particular, uh, photo NFTs in particular as a smaller subset of this. And I think we're getting to the point where Twitter is now more detrimental rather than uh, additive to the process, where the group of people is more or less the same, uh, at least kind of like from, from my personal opinion. And in order to get this visibility, we kind of have to go out and find new avenues, kind of like what is something that we'll see uh, going forward, like what is like, obviously people would respond or like, hey, I tried posting about NFTs on Instagram and the response is usually not very positive. Uh, if you're lucky, you'll just get, uh, you know, comments like, you know, promote it here, promote it there. Uh, you would do the same on Twitter. And so to establish those personal conne connection, I don't think it's even about NFTs in general, but more about art. Can you connect? as a human being to a person that is willing to support your art and which type of platform you would use, whether it's gonna be in the NFT form or a physical print is kind of like more of a afterthought. And the first idea is kind of, is who are those people who are willing to hear your story uh, and willing to support you financially? Um, and I think this is gonna be very important going forward is that try to abstract from uh, NFT-centric and NFT-specific, uh, and more what is the path that you're taking as the artist and what is the message that you want people to uh, hear and understand. And that goes back to the first comment, uh, first quote that I was uh, uh, sharing, where it's important to get uh, in the weeds of things and share the same message over and over again. What is your journey? Where did you come from? Why is this important to you? How uh, did art shape your personality? And how do you now uh, hoping to shape art in a way that reflects what you're doing? So I think those those are going to be very, very important for the future. And uh, yeah, let me pin some more. So yeah, there's been a few where people would complain about uh, Twitter reach. So a uh, quote from Zig Marillion, uh, with Twitter's new limit reach at the moment, connecting to new people and getting your art out there. So obviously that's a big one. Uh, Farah would say algorithms, or should I say publicity? Um, Andre would say PR, <laughs> very, very simply. Um, there's an important conversation from uh, Steve Wallace-Savage, um, and he actually has a good uh, tweet that I'll read as well. Discoverability and visibility. I've got some good shit out there uh, and more waiting in the wings, but the onus is entirely on me to blast it this way and that in hopes of being seen. Collections and editions and one-on-ones mostly sit there siloed on platforms with no organic push from them. Um, and I agree wholeheartedly that there's a lot of art uh, out there. There's a lot of photographers. Uh, and obviously, uh, you know, when we talk about photography and NFTs, uh, community is critically important and support from community members is critically important. Uh, but so are the sales. So for some photographers out there, that's the 
daily livelihood. Uh, for some others, it's a bit of a hobby. So kind of like there's a day job uh, and maybe it's related to photography, maybe not. Uh, and then NFTs and photography is something of a passion or a hobby that, um, you know, takes care of kind of like hopefully mental health and hopefully uh, getting uh, kind of like as an outlet for creative <laughs> juices to flow. Um, but for people who are fully committed to photography uh, and who are traveling to remote places or having very elaborate photo shoots, obviously that gets pretty expensive. And so it's kind of like important to see that um, reflected in the pricing and sales that are happening uh, on different platforms. And obviously uh, having ability to not be on Twitter uh, 24 seven or promoting your work 24 seven, I think it's also quite critical because if we are doing this 24 seven, uh, there is a lot less time to, uh, be out there and, you know, taking art. And obviously, you know, it, it, it gets even more disappointing if after spending weeks and weeks promoting those pieces and connecting with, uh, collectors there, it might not translate to tangible sales. And sometimes Sometimes collectors would just look for that particular perseverance. It's kind of like, can you last <laughs> for three, four or five weeks uh, when the uh, going gets tough? Uh, and kind of like, can you be there? Can we see uh, whether it's GMs uh, or can we see you in um, uh, out there, um, you know, being active and being um social in the community especially when it gets tough and that i think this is the important part i think this is a, a big difference between um just kind of like being there when eth is 4800 uh and when uh you know we went through DeFi summer where people would be making between 20 and 100 percent uh annual returns or maybe even more um and so that is obviously easier and a lot harder when it's not that when we're kind of like back to i would say back to the mean um and that means that it's now norm normalized in terms of returns in terms of activity uh and we're in a market where there's a lot more people that we have to compete with where we have to have our stories shared more um kind of like with a more i would i would say twist or passion overall so kind of like with a, something specific what makes your photography and your journey in photography more special than uh the next photographer and i think we can still compete pretty uh friendly i would say i think it's uh it doesn't mean that you know it's me uh or you and uh one of us if if one of us wins then the other one has to lose um and I think we've seen that happening where the winners would actually try to spread their, you know, newfound wealth, quote unquote, uh, on the community, on supporting people that supported them, uh, because it's probably going to get even more competitive going forward. It's probably going to get to a place where we'll see uh, hundreds of thousands of photographers and millions of artists embracing nfts uh and whether it will get at the expense of physical sales probably uh that is kind of like seems likely at this point and kind of like from the uh from the personal experience i was uh, buying one nft a couple of days ago and there was a physical 
that cost $15 and there was a digital that cost over a hundred dollars <laughs> and I, and I chose digital and I'm like, what am I doing? This is so weird. I could get a physical that is nice printed and, uh, has a, a number and signature and it's, it's beautiful and it's going to get shipped to me, uh, and I can hang it, uh, on the wall and, or I can choose an NFT that cost me eight times more. Uh, and I don't get any of those benefits. Uh, and I think this is pretty incredible that uh, the choice that I'm making, for me, it was a no-brainer. I kind of like thought about this for a second. I'm like, oh, okay, so I can get uh, a poster print or I can get uh, an NFT. And I'm like, oh, well, NFT is more rare. <laughs> that was really a profound realization for me to actually go with NFT and uh uh, minted and the gas was high and I'm like, well, it's I better act fast on that. So uh, this is really interesting how it changes uh, the mindset, uh, especially that digital used to be the abundant part, and then uh, the uh, the physical is the one that we would think of limited. And now in my brain, in particular, that switched completely. Now I treat uh, digital as scarce and physical as abundant. And hopefully with the proof of stake and everything, that's even better for environment. We're not buying uh, physical print and inks and shipping and all the CO2 emissions is actually making a more conscious uh, choice to have less physical stuff overall. Um, and if, if there's anything that I'm building as a library, whether it's music or movies, uh, that will exist either as subscriptions, uh, obviously as Netflix and the rest, or like Spotify, uh, or as NFTs. Uh, also, I think we'll see proliferation of movies um, and music and other types of NFTs uh, popping up as, as the industry evolves. Um, I'll take a little pause to see if um, there's anyone who wants to come up and debate or share some of your comments. Uh, raise your hand. We'll get on stage. Um, and if not, I will quote some more people um, that uh, share their opinions. What's the most difficult thing in Web3? Um, and yeah, we'll see how far we'll get there as well. And so, yeah, I see also that we have Adam here, uh, Adam Carity. And so I want to quote him as well. So um, Adam's uh, tweet is that the most difficult thing in Web3 is standing out in a massive sea of talent and selling when you're not quote-unquote popular or well-established outside of Web3. Uh, I feel it's very difficult to sell when you're neither of those, even if your photos are on par with the popular who constantly sell out and at high prices. Um, and I see uh, Adam's uh, requested, so we'll have him... Um, speak and Adam, if you're here, um, share your um, share your comments on what you shared with us uh, or with me earlier about the tweet. Yeah, hey, how's everyone going? How you doing, Ed? I'm doing well, but uh, definitely in a more contemplative mood <laughs> than uh, than usual. That's why yeah, I'm probably like more, yeah, <laughs> yeah. More, more thoughtful than than on average day. No, you know it's funny. Uh, ever since that post, you've actually shifted my thought process quite a bit uh in a good way and um i just put out a thread yesterday uh you know just kind of continuing on that contemplative state of mind because to be quite honest and transparent i don't put in nearly as much effort as i know i need to to get the results that i want um that's a realization that sometimes 
I tuck away and don't try to think about because, you know, my day to day grind, I, I've I've prioritized so many other things in my life higher than um, what I, I guess I could say my passion is deep down, you know, the, the artistic passion and drive that I have um, d demands a lot. And right now, um, I'm really just starting to come to terms with the fact that I've chosen to prioritize other things that won't get me to my goals, my passionate goals, as fast as I would like to because I'm not willing to make the sacrifices needed to do it. And a lot of that is the time you spend uh, building the relationships and the networking um, is what I'm starting to see. Like there was a thread that was put out by a, a pretty popular collector uh the other day about, you know, sharing people uh, who they feel deserve to be on super rare and this. I mean, those have been put out a lot. But one of the things that I noticed from it was there are a lot of people in that thread that um, that I interact with all the time, uh, weekly or daily even, and, you know, who are familiar with my work, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, out of like, I don't know, I didn't even count them, but there had to have been at least 100 or more people tagged. Uh, in that thread, maybe even more actually, but it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, you, you see all those photographers getting tagged and people that you know and interact with. And you're like, dang, I didn't get tagged, but it's not like a, coming from like a place of bitterness. It's more so that contemplative of like, okay, I'm in the NFT quote unquote game and I've listed stuff for sale because obviously I want to sell my artwork and, you know, get it out there and maybe eventually make a career of it. Uh, and for me, it's slow and go, but noticing that I wasn't tagged and that I, you know, I don't get tagged a lot in a lot of those things and that's okay. But what I was, what, what it made me think of was why, why didn't I get tagged? And so, you know, I started thinking, it's like, well, how much time do I put in? How, you know, how strong are these relationships that I actually have? How impactful is my work really, you know, to where people aren't, thinking of it or it's not in front of people enough to where they remember it or maybe it wasn't the last because I wasn't here you know there's so many reasons why and so that that was a positive thing for me and an eye-opener to where I was like wow okay I got work to do you know I got I got relationships to strengthen uh and and I want those to be strengthened genuine genuinely um I don't want to just strengthen relationships or build relationships because I want something that's not my intent that's not why I'm here and maybe that's why it's a little more slow and grow for me because I put the time in that I can afford to give and I want my growth to be organic and things you know the friendships are really more important to me than anything because you know your your net worth is only as good as your network right and i like my network to be full of friends and genuine people so i don't know the difficulties yeah for me are um just standing out really uh and then the, the more saturated the market gets and the space gets the harder it gets to stand out and to really uh, make your intentions known that they're pure because a lot of the times people will start to get the mindset that, oh, this this person only wants to be friends with me because they want something. And that's never the route that I want to, you know, get stuck in. So, you know, whenever I'm in those threads where uh, people, uh, whether, you know, the, the artists that I love and want to share, I realize that majority of the time, I go with the names uh, personally when I participate in those with people that I interacted the most recent. 
So either they talk to me or I talk to them or I saw their uh, post, but usually it's kind of like they're on top of my mind. Um, and Twitter also makes it a little bit easier. You know, when I type the first letter, it's the person that I'm friends with and that's I probably interacted with the most. At least it seems that it picks those uh, the right. first. And so I'm like, oh, okay. So I'll like type, tap, tap. And it's a lot easier. Obviously, we're not going to be doing this all day long. So when I see the thread, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll, I can do it quickly. Tap, tap, tap. And I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is this is it, right? And that's the learning. And that's the thing is because that's marketing. You look at real life. I mean, there's the reason why there's billboards up, right? It's not like you're going to sit there and study and read it. It's just, you know, that flash. It, and and that might be the last thing you saw before you, you need that service or, you know, the commercial on TV or... Uh, again, like, you know, I've, I've owned a couple of businesses and one, the, the most recent one, um, you know, I'd have a salesperson come into my office time and time again, you know, to solicit services, just to be nice to drop off donuts or whatever it was. And that was the last person that I remembered when I actually needed the service service. That's who I called. So like, I get all those things, but you know, it's it, what I was getting at and you know, what is the, the light switch on for me in the day to days that, you know, will distract me from this arena is just that it's like, it's never any, it's typically not personal at all at any time. And some people will try, you know, will lose sight of that and start to take things personal. It's a sad thing. You know, that's why mental health is talked about quite a bit is because people will lose sight of the fact that a lot of these things, it's not personal. It's not personal that people that I might interact with daily didn't tag me in it. It's just like you said that those people that they tagged might've been the last people that they interacted with. And I just wasn't or whatever. I mean, there's so many reasons you just can't take it personal, but you can take a learning from it and use that as tools to and improve on what you need to improve on to achieve your goals. And so like for me, my difficulties are standing out in a saturated market. And so um, what what have I learned and how can that help me uh, achieve my goal with that difficulty? And for me right now, I'm seeing it's just continuing. Everybody says build, right? For me, that means relationships because in everything, it is about relationships. And so, you know, your work can be impactful just based on who you connect with because my work might not be impactful with you but it might be impactful to pam you know it's just the relationships you build and so you got to just continue to be real be genuine and eventually you'll build that thousand followers of genuine people you might have a million but it's that one thousand that really count right yeah it's it's a uh, you know Kind of like ten or a hundred super fan theory, where it's it's the people. It's it's kind of like you know a bit of a. Um, I would count it's like people in my life who would help me move on a short notice, you know, to carry uh, like heavy, you know, sofas and stuff like this. And obviously, when you're not a a student anymore, I think it's unnecessary to call to call on friends. There's a lot of professional services that will do it better. Uh, but still, in my mind, this is kind of like those type of people that are willing to drop everything and go sweat for uh, uh, for you and for some pizza and beer. Uh, and this is kind of like, that's where the strength of the relationship is getting bonded because they'll help you move, you'll help them move, and you will sweat a lot together. And so this is kind of like 
uh, how it's formed. Uh, I wish we could see a little bit more of that sweat on on Twitter, and I feel like we probably need to do more of those like in real life um, events where people will have to say like, "Oh, this is you," you know. And I had a lot of fun uh, meeting people at NFT NYC, for example, where even a glimpse. And obviously, you know, it's not that like everybody will like me. It's not that I'll like everybody else. But you'll find your buddies, <laughs> you know, your people that you connect with. Uh, and this is, you know, it doesn't have to be this hundred fans all at the same time. I'm not there to be like a, a super spreader of love and support. But, uh, you know, if I can have some fun with two or three people while we're walking, while we're like taking pictures, uh, you know, grabbing some drinks or food afterwards, um, this this is pretty much it. Like I'm not optimizing for quantity uh, as much as for quality. And I think this is something we, you know, found. Yeah, you can you can have quantity and like there's other there's other you know <laughs> ways to go for uh for quantity but i think quality is important especially in people's lives um and, and speaking of kind of like um yeah you know when you started sharing that opinion about mental health uh i realized like if you remember uh, instagram in the early days like you wouldn't really care about this like you would post a picture of your lunch or like regular snapshots around city or around home and that was so easy. You're just like, hey, this is me. This is my life. And now we're like, oh, Instagram, it has to be perfect, you know, for some people, you know, like we're the ones that the feed uh, constantly keep uh, uh, pushing for. It's like perfect adventures, perfect life. Everybody's doing amazing, amazingly living their best life. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of work. And also it makes me very anxious about those things. Um, and I really appreciate those who can be more, uh, real about those things and just show their other, uh, side, uh, and not necessarily just the, uh, you know, polished. And I feel like we're all as a society getting tired of that polishedness. And, uh, may maybe it was the COVID and pandemic where people just like, okay, <laughs> sweatpants all the way, no more, no more outfits. We're just going to sweatpants it and you know, whoever has some uh, extra fat from two years uh, in lockdowns, hey, that's fine. This is life now. Like no need to, no need to pretend. <laughs> uh, or maybe just me. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself, and that's uh, and that's it. Um, but yeah, it felt like this quite a, quite a bit, especially in the last, uh, you know, this transitioning uh, from yeah, like 2020 to 2022. Yeah, it's uh, definitely you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it, the, the landscape is forever changing. But I think that's a testament to trying to understand ourselves individually, because we know trends come and go, uh, landscapes change. And, you know, like, just like the wind, right. But if we are basing our happiness off of those things, that is what's going to drive our happiness. Like you got to have a firm foundation and a solid foundation and something that is constant and in, in, in what you're basing your happiness off of, or, you know, you'll never find it, uh, at least my, my humble opinion. And so I don't, I don't base my happiness in NFT sales. I don't base, and, and I've got emotion. I'm not saying like, I don't, I don't get bummed or, you know, those different type of things. I'm human. I've, I've got emotion. Right. But the true joy and what, 
drives me each day. I mean, I, I've got a wife and uh, almost four kids now. I'm waiting for number four to come. Due date was yesterday, so we're, I'm on pins and needles. Oh, wow. okay. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. What are you doing on spaces then? <laughs> I'm not working work work hours. My wife, she's home. We're watching. We're waiting. It's you know, it, it's fun. Uh, good stuff. Um, got the go bag ready and every everything's good to go. Um, but no, I'm just saying, like in general, like it, you know. This could be a volatile thing, you know. People, you got artists that their their income is is based off of NFT sales, and that's a it's a very iffy thing. And you know, it, it's easy, or or not. I mean, just yeah, mental health. It, it's something where you definitely have to try to stay grounded in something more constant, more. I don't know. I'm not a psychologist or anything. I just know that my my faith and stuff isn't put in the things that are ever changing is, is I guess, what I'm getting at. And so if fortunately enough for me, you know, the, these these bear markets, these uh, moments of, you know, months on end without your what you feel is some of your best work not selling uh, or, you know, you, don't, you, you feel sometimes you're like you see all these people getting praised. You start falling into that comparison rut and you're like, nope, I don't. I'm not getting down that rut because I know where that goes. And, you know, you, you, you got to check yourself sometimes. Right. But even for me, with a constant grounding in something else of where my joy is derived from, I can still find myself getting into that. So, yeah, it is a slippery slope. And you, you got to stay watchful because there's so many distractions out there that eventually you might end up in that uh, pit of quicksand um, and, and it, it will take a toll on you. But, yeah, I mean. That's what's good to have good friends and a good support group and a good network and spaces like these to come in and vent and talk and um, be supported by others. And you did mention Adam a small little thing where it's it's important to have uh, both a, a a better appreciation of mental health and the things that uh, you know people care about, uh, family and friends, and uh, it's 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 a thought that. Uh, I had this morning when I looked up at the markets and markets opened up in red and Ethereum was down and all the traditional stock market was down. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> if if all goes down to zero, that actually might make me feel a little better in a way that it's, it's time to not uh, focus on uh, any gains and things like this, but actually uh, look at nature, get out more, uh, enjoy things that are you know, basically free, uh, where if you can get to a forest or any place and just get some nature, then uh, that's that's what the uh, humans needed for a very, very, very long time. And uh, now that we have all the like stock markets and eat to the moon and everything else, it becomes a bit more difficult to get away from this uh, and yeah so when when it's down it's actually uh, helps reevaluate uh what what's what's important and spend more time with uh, people in your life and spend more time uh in the nature or in places that just away from technology so maybe we we had a bit too much technology um in the and i'm surrounded with like phone and laptop and other stuff so uh, yeah <laughs> there's obviously a way to uh, simplify life a little bit just you know i think everybody is somewhat going through similar difficulties and it's nice to to have places like this and and people that are in this space that are kind and genuine to help each other see different perspectives uh to continue to to see the positive while the negative uh is talked about because i think it's not healthy to always have that 
positivity, you know, continually at the forefront, you know, people call it toxic positivity. I really think that's a, a genuine real thing. And, you know, it's, you also don't want to be negative because that's like a cancer, right? But you have to bring up your feelings. You can't suppress your feelings. And if you're feeling that way, there's just a, a, a you know, a way to go about it that's going to be positive. So these spaces are positive and I, I'm grateful Ed, that you took time to put a thread like that together and to share and to host this space so people can talk about these different things. It's, it's a very healthy and, um, you know, a, a good learning experience for, for everybody. Yeah. And just, uh, you know, before I ask Polly to, uh, to come up and speak as well, one thing that I, uh, think is that we kind of lost our ability to have a discourse, especially on Twitter, like having nice, uh, solid conversations uh, and the thread and people that commented on this i'm like wow people actually took time to write something uh reasonable and other people joined to comment on something and it's also reasonable whether i agree or not that's a, a separate conversation but just having that discourse oh my god that's so rare <laughs> that's pretty yeah rare. yeah uh, you can agree you can agree to disagree you know it's, it's a conversation like you said that discourse it's it's needed and you know people just need to take a chill pill <laughs> that's right well uh polly um how are you this morning good morning guys um overall i'm feeling very happy just uh, uh trying different things out in the past a couple of days i changed my name to honey passion love just to reinforce all of these good things um, in the web3 space in general i also had the first time experience of meeting a group of friends from web3 and actually the group uh, grew from seven people to like probably 15 people in a span of a couple of hours it was so fascinating because i get to witness someone experiencing or like having this user experience of discovering my work IRL and honestly Twitter seemed to be facilitating fairly uh, seamless experience basically I used my QR code to let someone um, first find my profile add me as a friend and then navigated so yeah the first time it happened i realized that i need uh, an additional website where all of my nft work will be curated because um, the space is basically pulling me apart i'm trying all of these different things discovering ai doing the cross-chain collaborations and um, um space itself is moving so fast that i i didn't feel like uh i can um like give enough attention or exposure to all of the art i'm creating within this space so actually i did that i created like a separate website and now um it seems like at least irl uh people seem to get a good experience and exposure to to my art and probably like um me being around helps them understand that my art is an extension of me and uh, it's just uh, this um i guess 
essence being conveyed through the way I am and through the work that I do. So that was really cool. I, I definitely, I would encourage everyone to actually give a phone um, to someone they just met or maybe a friend and uh, get a feedback on, you know, what is it that um, they consider is discoverable easy? What is it that they think you should implement more on your timeline or on the website or even in spaces? So that's where I am today. So grateful for this space. Always a pleasure. Um, thanks, Polly. Or <laughs> if there was in your name, Love. Is there any name that uh, had the most resonance with, with your audience? Like the one that people like the most? Uh, okay, I actually, um, so when I started to experiment with names, um, a, a lot of DJs would mention that, oh my God, that's the utility of an artist in this space. They just need to be creative, uh, just be themselves. And I actually got really good feedback. Somebody uh, came up with this love quest for me uh, and uh, proposed I should marry a guy uh, with the last name Nation, so I can be Polynation. Uh, somebody tells me that it will definitely um, resonate with my mission in the space because I'm doing this like cross pollination be between the chains and like helping artists and uh, project founders to meet. So I guess like that was something interesting that um, happened from it. That's very interesting. The, the, I think the good thing to live in a modern 21st century country is that you don't have to marry someone to change your name to nation. So uh, you, you can just uh, have a set of documents and uh, become pollination uh, and do the cross-chain pollination that you've been doing uh, by bringing Solana artists into Ethereum and doing this project, which I, I was really excited, well, still really excited about, uh, of bringing graphical artists and photographers as a collab that we had on Sloika, uh, which is, in in my view, like when, when artists like you and, and others, and Adam, you're one of those as well, uh, are doing those things where it's something unusual, where it's either like abstracts or it's some collab, I think it gives those very important seeds to others to be like, oh, this is what's possible. Well, let me go and do and work something because it all generates ideas that, you know, we can do those things, whether, you know, whether you have immediate success or not, I don't even think that matters as much, uh, but it matters that it, it sparks conversation, sparks a lot of thoughts. And when, when you, Autumn, came on stage and started sharing uh, a bit of, kind of like your life and your opinion on on the matters of the day, the day, the conversation switched, right? Like we started talking about a completely different thing, even though it was very natural flowing. And for me, it's like, oh, so many ideas, so many things I got to share. So that, that's what I like uh, and really appreciate it. Um, let's uh, switch to Trilana. Uh, this is uh, a new speaker for us. Uh, so let's see what Trilana has to say as well. Hi, thank you so much for bringing me up. Great spaces. I've been listening for a while now. Um, I had to come up because of this um, topic. And uh, I think it was Adam who mentioned toxic positivity as a real thing. And I'm going to just share a very, 
I want to say brief, but I tend to run long. So please interrupt me if I'm going to, if I'm speaking too much. But um, so I've been a photographer since I was a kid, honestly, and I shoot with my iPhone and um, I didn't start with an iPhone, obviously, but it's, it was the most practical um, tool uh, for me because I, at the time was uh, recovering from a car crash from 2017 when I was trying to decide, should I get a camera, like a more professional camera or should I get a phone? Um, and someone had said to me, get the phone because there's a camera in it. And I said, yeah, that's a good idea. So I stuck with it. I have a, uh, an iPhone 12 now that I'm shooting with, and um, I don't consider myself an iPhone photographer. I consider myself a photographer. Why do I say that? Because since I've been in these spaces, um, there have been some like gearheads out there who um, had something to say about iPhone photographers, not realizing that I happen to shoot with my iPhone, um, minimizing the the talent behind the tool. And um, I left that space feeling pretty bad. And I went into another space where I was completely uplifted by fellow photographers who are gearheads in their own way, but don't like judge others who aren't gearheads, I guess. Um, so that's one reference I just need to say, first of all. Um, in regards to my in regards to my car crash, it was in 2017. And um, I mean, it's not an easy thing to say, but the, fa the the truth of the matter is like, I was angry that I survived. It was, a, it was what should have been a fatal car crash. They call it an act of God. And um, very, sh very, very short. I was, um, I was on my way to work in Miami and it was raining. It was rainy season and I was switching lanes and my steering wheel locked and I ended up going off the road. And um, as I was going off the road, I, I pressed the brakes. And as I was pressing the brakes, I started to spin out. And all I kept thinking was, oh, I guess this is happening. Why do I say that? Um, because I had prayed to God that something would happen to me. Please take me out of this life. Why am I mentioning that? Some of you guys already know. Um, some friends in the, in the space here already know the story. But I'm just going to say it for those who don't because it's important. Um, toxic positivity almost killed me. <laughs> I'm not kidding, because I had prayed and prayed and prayed after um, spending time uh, trying to have a child on my own because I was in a relationship in my 30s and it didn't work out. And I thought I was going to, um, you know, have kids with him and everything and have a family, what I always dreamed of having in my life. Um, it didn't happen. And when I was working for an ad agency at the time, uh, one of our clients was uh, IVF, an IVF person in, um, or whatever organization in Chicago, and we were rebranding them. And she said to me, if you, you know, freeze your eggs. Um, and I said, no way, give me another year. I can find some nice guy. Didn't happen. So a year later, she said, go, go get IVF right away. And I was just like, okay. So I had to get a second job to do it because as some of you know, it's very expensive and ridiculous. And I had to think about sperm donation on top of it, which was a disaster from the start. Um, so when it didn't work out for me, um, there was no one around, not one person, um, who, who, who held space for me, who allowed me to mourn the loss of, of the life that I thought I was going to have, you know, the grandchildren I thought I was going to be a grandmother to, I thought I was going to be the, the, um, you know, the matriarch of a really large, beautiful family. Cause I didn't really grow up with family here. My family's in Israel and we got stuck here when my father was abusive to my mother and um, then left the country after they divorced. So when my friends, when I survived that car crash and the cop said, you know, if you had, if you had spun out one more time, you would have been killed. And if you had a passenger in your car, they would have been killed instantly. Because when I opened my eyes, um, 
as I was crashing, I don't remember this part, but I apparently crashed into it like a cement light pole. And when I opened my eyes, it was raining in on me. The windshield was shattered and I looked to my right and there was no door. So when I heard the 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 officer say you would have been killed instantly, I, I was I was trapped in the front half of the car. That's the other kind of thing, which is crazy. But um, yeah, the back half of my car was blocking traffic for hours and hours on a Friday, actually. Um, and I was trapped in the front and they got me out and um, all the guys were saying, did you see the car? Did you see the car? So when I got to the hospital, the, the, the cop said you would have been killed instantly. And immediately, like my heart sank because I felt betrayed by life and betrayed by God in particular, um, because it would have been one more turn of the car and I would, ha- I would be out of my pain. Because there's nobody on the planet who could, who could, um, who could hold space for me who could make it better. No one could, and it's not anyone's fault. It's just the way it is. This is what I, this is my lot in life, is to never have children and not have my own family. Um, and it still hurts, and it's not going to go away. But I will say this. When there are people around you who love you, and if you're experiencing a very deep hurt, a soul-breaking, soul-destroying experience... Um, and they're telling you, oh, be grateful you survived your car crash. Oh, maybe you should go see the, the, the car. You'll appreciate your life more. It doesn't help. And it just, it, it was like a gaslighting experience for me. And I've had friends, well, I had friends for decades and decades of my life until they were unable to see me burn. And I burned in unrecognized grief for eight years. And slowly, slowly, those relationships deteriorated. My friendship of 34 years was just exploded. It imploded, exploded, whatever. They call it the friendship apocalypse for childless, not by choice, um, women and men. Because some people cannot it's uncomfortable that another person is so sad that someone's so, you know, hurt by life. It makes the other person uncomfortable. So they're not so focused on, you know, helping you to cope with the tragedy. They're more worried about their own um, comfort level. So that's where toxic positivity can actually kill people slowly, slowly over time. Because if I did have someone who said, I'm so sorry, Ilana, I'm so sorry. It's so hard. It's it's really a hard thing and I'm here for you in any way that you need me if you if whatever. I mean, to understand what love is is to, is to understand that love is an action. It's not just this high in the air concept and, and you know locked in our hearts. It's actually an action and not everybody loves the way that they say they do. Um so when I'm in spaces, so it took me this long to finally acknowledge myself as a photographer because after those eight years and that friendship exploded, um, I was literally at the end of my rope and I found a community online at the time it was called Gateway Women for Childless Not By Choice Women. And that's what CNBC Warrior means on my profile if anyone's interested in looking. Um, within six months of being in, a, in this space, they allowed me to burn. They accepted and acknowledged my, my deep grief. That's where I learned the term unrecognized grief, disenfranchised grief. I had, no, I had no language to even talk about what it, it was that I was feeling because I helped raise my friend's children. I helped raise my niece and my nephews. I thought for sure I was going to be a mother. And it's not an easy thing for me to say even now. Um, and I'm, you know, very well on the path of my healing. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to talk about it. But um, so it's a very serious thing. And within six months of me being with these people, and I, I started feeling better and I started sharing my photos because that's what really is a, a wonderful healer for me. And that's my best friend, actually. I realized after all these decades of life that the camera is my best friend. 
whether it's video or, um, you know, shooting nature or buildings or whatever it is. Um, I've actually have a bit of a question. This is, uh, 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 I would say, pretty tragic uh, story. And thanks for sharing that. Uh, but I want to ask whether you uh, found people in spaces, were you able to connect them in, in real life or that's still in, in your near future, I hope? You mean like uh, people who are childless, not by choice? Um, well, I've I've kind of like browsed your feed and I saw that you were in Tiba, Tiba space uh, and mm -hmm. I think other spaces as well. Um, kind of like, are you connecting with people in real life uh, or or well, planning to kind of like what's what's your take on that? I would love to for sure connect with people in real life. Um, I went to Miami NFT week as a gift to myself when I, fir I first came to the space in like the very end of January and I started speaking in Tiva space in February when I figured out what does this thing do? <laughs> the mic. Um, I found my voice in his space actually. And there was another artist, that I, you know, the great thing about web three is artists, you know, f find their tribe. Like I found my tribe with the Child is Not by Choice community, which literally led me here because they're like, do something, do something. And, you know, my ex-fiance said, do something with the photography. You know, some of my former friends that were like, yeah, do something, do something. I didn't know what to do because I had financial insecurity growing up and there was no way that I could just, you know, uh, I didn't have the confidence to, you know, s be a professional photographer. So I went into television. So it's fine. I mean, I had a, a very good career and I'm grateful for it. Um, but in real life, when I start traveling, God willing, you know, all the friends that I've made in, you know, these photography spaces and art spaces, um, you know, there's definitely a handful that I will be, <clears throat> God willing, soon, maybe next year, visiting. Um, and those are the people who allow me to feel my feelings and not hurry, you know, rush me through my grief because I would have been that much better. So the, the reason I'm bringing it up is because eight years I suffered unnecessarily. If I just had, or if society allowed us to feel sad when we're sad, there would be much less, you know, um, turmoil and anxiety and, you know, I mean, I was beating myself up all the time because I felt like I was not normal. And then finally, when I found, you know, and the, the woman who wrote this book, you know, Living the Life Unexpected, Jody Day, it started from a blog post 10 years ago and it turned into this huge thing. And <clears throat> excuse me, she's now a psychoanalyst. And she said, yeah, it's totally a normal thing that you, it's not that you want to kill yourself, but you want to die because the pain is so great. Like you can't even breathe. And that's like the, 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 the rawness, that's the fire, that's the burn of like the initial grief. But I was stuck in that cycle of grief for so long because no one was acknowledging it. They didn't know what to do with me because I was usually very yeah. I, I would also say kind of like uh, that. That's what I noticed in more Western countries. I would say where mm -hmm. if you're not constantly happy, then something was wrong with you. Or you know, at least the the intention is that like if if you are too sad, here's some meds. If you're too distracted, here's some meds. If you're too creative uh, and weird, here's some meds. <laughs> and uh, being able to, you know, personally, uh, uh, one of the things that I uh, try to do uh, my, myself uh, from time to time is to be 
bored because I do find so, for, and you know, it might feel unrelated, but it, it is in a way related that, you know, having this grief, that's okay. Having grief for a long time, that's okay. We should be, you know, there's in the, in the, in the ancient times, people were grieving for like years. And, uh, in, in case of there's a loss, uh, of, a of a person close to you, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the same was boredom and the same was like other feelings that we have hey it's normal <laughs> it's it's human to feel this thing and it's human to uh share and find people that will support you in this because like if you're grieving for for years you better have someone that will understand and uh, be there maybe not 24 7 but at least as you mentioned like acknowledge this as something that's happening um and as it relates to twitter as it relates to like social media there is the uh, I think I can kind of like circle it back to NFTs where there's a bit of the need for instantaneous response as in like, hey, I minted my work. Why is it not selling? <laughs> it's been five minutes already. Why is it not selling? And then you have the spikes of uh, uh, happiness when it sells and, and sells fast and uh, a treachery of uh despair i guess when it's not selling fast and you're trying and trying and trying and it's not uh going the way you are and i feel like you know having those moments where people are bored i find those extremely productive for myself i love i love being bored i would love you know sit somewhere in a in a i don't know let's say like a medical room or something and just like without a phone or just put a phone away and just like observe like what's happening around like i'm bored <laughs> Uh, gives me a lot of thoughts, like usually after 20, 30 minutes. And so goes for anxiety and ADHD, as it's now called, and like all the other things. Hey, it's totally fine. Like we never kind of like that was not a problem before. I don't know why is it the became problem where society needs to fix it uh, with because all means they possible. They were low on the sales. That's why. Um <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. But um, so Ev, you said bored, but, you know, I'd, I'd say, you know, just peaceful, just like, you know, in the moment, just being. Um, so you say bored, I say just at peace, like, I just pray for peace, like, I just want to rest. Um, like, my nervous system was shot after that car crash. Um, I can't read books. I used to be an avid reader. I have a bunch of books brand new that I didn't know at the time I wasn't going to be able to read them, but it's also a sidebar of uh, a side effect of grief I found out later. Um, so it's been hard. The, the toughest thing for me, honestly, in web three, besides the toxic positivity that it's like, oh, you know, good vibes only. I'm thinking, you know what? Good vibes only almost killed me. And I'm always going to talk about it. And, you know, like I haven't even minted a collection yet. Like I minted one piece that, that, that on my pinned tweet. That's the one piece I did for a Tez Tuna event. You know, God willing, I'll have something on Ethereum soon. But um, I've, my challenge is sitting down and actually going through. It, it, just sitting down is a tough thing for me. Um, you know, and I think I probably have a little bit of fear of, of, of failure or slash success or I don't know what it is because I have gigs and gigs worth of photos from, you know, a lifetime um, that are beautiful. I believe that they are beautiful. I didn't make it. It's, na it's nature and, you know, architects. I just shoot. But um, it's very healing to me. And when people are like, you know, good vibes only or, you know, sold out. And I always retweet when they sell out because I want to celebrate them. 
But I don't want anyone to think just because you're not selling out immediately or at all even, like I'm not expecting to sell out. It'd be great if I did. I really am coming here. This is the reason I'm on the blockchain actually, is because now that I survived that car crash and I was thinking about it when I first learned about NFTs, um, if I had been killed in that crash, no one would see this work. No one would see, and that as a childless woman, I have to think about my legacy. You know, like, what is my plan B? Well, I'm happy to say I'm living my plan B and it just happened organically, which is the best way for me, um, that I'm I'm in the NFT space. And, and that year is actually, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm jumping around, but in 2017, and I'm, there's a reason that I'm jumping around. Um, and so that year, June 2nd, 2017 was the accident. By November of that year, I was just recovering and like there were no internal injuries and, you know, they got me out and my, my ribs weren't broken, my arm wasn't broken. Um, no bleeding, whatever. Um, when I was recovering, though, because I had severe, severe bruising, like throughout my body, like very, very serious. And um, all I could watch was Golden Girls, I Love Lucy and, and Bloomberg. And it was Bloomberg. <laughs> so weird. But it was Bloomberg that I first learned about Bitcoin. And that's when it was going to 10,000 interestingly enough. And I was like, what the hell is Bitcoin? I had no idea. So I was looking it up and I was like, well, I understand Ethereum a little bit better. And um, yeah, I that that's when I said to myself, how do I get in? How do I get a job in this space? Because I'm not a coder, I'm not a finance person. So fast forward, you know, these five years. And because I threw myself into the NFT space, um, instead of looking for a job, like I said, I was going to at the end of Oct uh, in October, when my previous job, I was writing for um, a, a, a sexual abuse attorney in Fort Lauderdale, um, writing about pedophile priests in the Catholic Church. That was a tough, tough job. So when that job finally ended, I said, I'm not going to look for another job. It's fourth quarter. I'm going to rest, which I did all November. And then December, I said, you know what? I'm going to get happy and then I'll look for a job. And I did everything in my power to get happy, ride my bike around town, go to the beach and take photos. By the time January came, I said, forget it. I'm throwing myself into the NFT space. I listened to a podcast for three weeks, NFTs for newbies. They onboarded me basically after 36 episodes. And I threw myself in when they said, get Discord and Twitter. I didn't even know what Discord was and I still can't use it. It's I'm overwhelmed with the technology, honestly. Um, and I didn't want Twitter because I had my Instagram hacked in November and I was like, screw you, social media. But here I am today because I believe that the photography, at least my legacy, will live on the blockchain if I could just understand how does, how does this work. And this, yeah, this is a great point. Um, I'll actually might have to correct you that blockchain is not necessarily forever. Uh, and we have kind of like a whole bunch of episodes where we try this, and this is part of the uh, the space that we are hosting on on Fridays uh, with with me as a co-host, where we are talking about like more nerdy stuff as to like here's what smart contract looks like, here's why it's uh, you know secure or insecure, and like we started this space actually with like a hack of uh, 160 million dollars because uh, co-founders decided to use a wrong tool to generate a wallet, and because they generated the wallet using a tool that was later revealed to have um, a flaw in the algorithm. 
they were uh, you know they were hacked for 160 million dollars and and obviously in, in the space where it's still new and as you mentioned like people uh, don't understand discord i i'm on discord i don't understand discord uh it is like adhd inducing app in my opinion and i wish there was like something more mellow uh <laughs> to, to my taste so definitely something to uh you know discover and unpack uh as it relates to the tech and stuff like this and uh um, you know, knowing that we have a raised hand from Polly, I want to make sure that Polly has a chance to uh, comment probably on something that you shared earlier as well. Sure. Um, Trilanum, I just... Uh, um, um, so when you were sharing your story, I was reminded of a couple of women in spaces whose thought processing and delivery have the same level of awareness as you do so i truly believe that um, uh, people who overcome um like life-changing transformative um traumatic moments in their life have an ability to be uh, very compassionate towards others very accepting and uh, you can provide a healing and um, meaningful experience even through the spoken words um, but when it comes to meeting like-minded individuals in the space uh, first of all you uh, don't really have to um, let's say uh, with photographers I, I feel like the same goes with photographers because we are curious by nature we travel extensively uh, we meet uh, you know people from different cultures and uh, that's uh, in itself is already a valuable um, puzzle piece of self-knowledge and awareness that uh, we can present in in uh, not just in web3 but um, everywhere we go um I, I totally lost the train of thought but um um so when it comes to you sharing the narrative uh assuming that you will be surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals with people who would uh want to celebrate your journey and uh, um celebrate the fact that you survived and you have an opportunity to share your vision through your art uh, i feel like it's it's just important to share like to also share what part of your journey you're the most proud of um and yeah that's about it i'm just so grateful uh to uh have you here today because it definitely made me think harder of what is our mission, what is our intention, and just in general, like, what is the social engineering, or like, how do we connect through spaces? I so appreciate that love. And I loved what you were saying earlier. So thank you. I really, really deeply appreciate it. And it's so interesting that, you know, you're asking the question. There, there have been a couple of projects Um you know, like women-led projects. I'm very, you know, bullish on women, of course, and all artists, really. But, you know, women, there's only a, a very sh small percentage of us in the space, in crypto in general. Um, so I think it's imperative, actually, as um, artists, ma male or female, to, um, you know, amplify the voices of women artists and children, I might add. Um, but there have been a couple of projects that 
one said something like, um, you know, something I had to, I had to like say something. Cause I said like, not all, not all women are mothers. And she wrote back and she's like, well, no, absolutely. You know, Trilana, we know we've, we've heard you. We've, you know, uh, we've kept you in mind and this and that and da, 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 da. And I was just like, okay, great. Thank you so much. And like, she referenced, you know, one of the NFTs that, that I guess, or maybe there's, there were a couple, I don't remember, um, that actually acknowledged the loss. Um, there was another one more recently. I think it was like um, Asian Girl Boss. If you if you don't know that that project, very very lovely project. She um, actually worked in an IVF clinic, and it was very hard for her to have to say to these you know parent you know would be parents you know hopeful parents that it didn't work and it was their last chance to do you know IVF you know male and female like mother and father um for me I didn't have a partner but you know and and when they said you know try again next month I was thinking to my the nurse said that and I I said to myself well you give me $20,000 and I will try again <laughs> um the doctor said get a boyfriend come back if you need us because physically there's nothing wrong with me I was just a late bloomer for whatever the reasons were, maybe because I didn't come from, you know, like I didn't have a father growing up, who knows. But the fact of the matter is I was dealing, I had to deal with, and I will be dealing with it for my entire life. And um, the the Asian girl boss creator said, you know, it's funny because my other colleagues said, don't, you know, you, we have these four NFTs that are kind of dark. That's what they called, you know, she said dark, like very sad and in inducing sad feeling. And we didn't want to do that. And she said, no, we have to. And I'm definitely going to be getting there. There's one that I'm definitely going to be getting because it does reference, um, you know, the loss of the dream, the loss of and Sometimes, you know, people do have babies and they lose them immediately and they can never have another child. Like, so for all of these things, like there's triggers in life that we don't realize um, you know, I, I always say like Mother's Day, I had actually two artists, one a mother and one a, a young artist who doesn't have parents of his own. On Mother's Day, these people from different parts of the world um, said, it must be a hard day for you. I'm thinking of you. And I was so, I was moved to tears, I'll be honest. And especially for the young man who doesn't have his own parents, my God, like he's thinking of me on Mother's Day. Like, I love that guy. <laughs> um so I just feel like in the in the artist community, um, there's obviously much more empathy, and I wish I had more artist friends in real life. I'm like the artist and the and the deep thinker and the empath or whatever, too sensitive in in my circle of friends, which now is very like limited to like two. Um, <laughs> but that's okay because I'm my own best friend, and as I mentioned, the camera is my best friend and helps me process and. Um, and just to 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 put a, a a bow on this and wrap it up because I don't want to take up too much time. Um, and just remember, so I had that eight years of unrecognized grief. S within six months of being this group, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be a lifetime member of this child is not by choice community, of course. Um, and always talk about it so other people in case because we don't know, we have no idea. Um, and people cry quietly by themselves often, and I know it because I have for many, many, for at least this last decade, at least. Um, my point being, so within that six months, as, as, as I said, I felt better. And then when I started, when I got happy in December and I started looking and I said, I'm not going to look for a job. And I threw myself into the space, found myself in Tiba space. And why? Because I do believe in my photography. I do want to share it with the world. Um, and you'll have to, you know, educate me about what blockchain's not permanent. <laughs> 
<laughs> Damn it. Um, well, it's the closest thing to a long term after I am no longer here and I transition. Um, hopefully someone will see some of my work and know that I existed. Um, but within the first, you know, month of me being here, Miami NFT Week was promoting. I said, you know what? I'm going to be turning 50 um, at that time. It was April 1st. So I bought myself um, that conference. March 24th, I turned 50. And I said, I have to go to this because it's down, you know, it's like downtown. It's like 25 minutes away. I have to go. And as I was walking, you know, that morning at nine in the morning, I was walking up to the convention center and I was thinking to myself, what am I doing? This is crazy. I don't even know what NFTs are. I need a job. This is nuts. Um, within two hours of me being there, I was like in the back in this huge space. And there was a guy who came on stage and there was a huge QR code on, on the stage. And he said, we have a hundred jobs open. Uh, please scan the QR code and, and apply. And um, I looked immediately for the one job that I knew I could do, applied for the, for the job within the next few weeks, had a couple of interviews, was super bullish on myself when he said, yeah, we're, we're, um, we're trying to find someone. I, I was applying for a cryptocurrency content marketing manager. Um, and he said, we're trying to find someone for the past six months. We can't find someone with experience and who can write about it. I was like, well, it's because it's my job. Because five years ago, he didn't know it. But five years ago, as I mentioned, I was like, how do I get in? How do I get in? This is like amazing. Um, and I said, uh, he, and he's like, well, we have other candidates though. And I said, well, you know what? Um, I have experience. I'm a natural promoter. I've been in the television and advertising space for the last 20 plus years. Um, and I'm a woman and your greatest opportunity for growth is with women. And I think that's healed the deal. And I can tell you this, um, Lori Grace, I'm sure many of you know who she is. She's always like, be bullish on yourself. She, that little be bullish on yourself was literally in my mind when I had to like step up one more. And usually I wouldn't be like pushing so much, but I was like, screw it. I'm freaking 50. I've lived my life. I've proven myself to the world. I'm going to do for me now because everything in my world just evaporated like in a flash. So I don't know anything to anyone, and I'm living for myself and making sure my mom's okay, of course. Um, but I'm going to do what I want, and me doing photography is what I want. And sharing it, you know, everyone, please God help me that I, I'm going to share it eventually soon. Um, so I, so I just said it, you know. And what anyway? So the point is, and on Earth Day, I got the job, which is wonderful because in Hebrew, my name is. Ilana, which means tree. It's a type of tree in Israel. And I am a very much a nature girl. So the, and I work from home now. I don't have to drive anywhere. And the, the company turned out to be a really good company, 40 years old this year. And it's called Trade Station. And they're like a brokerage, um, like a broker dealer for crypto. They just onboarded like three, four years ago. And, you know, stocks, options and all that stuff. It's a fintech company of all things. So it's so crazy because I had this crazy experience. The accident almost took me out. And I thought the reason that I had survived was, you know, to create awareness for these, you know, poor victims of pedophile priests. Terrible. Um, and I wasn't going to quit. The job ended. If it didn't end, I'd, I wouldn't even be here because I'd still be sick um, doing the work because I literally thought that's why I survived. But now I do believe I survived because I have some some beautiful images to share, um, interesting perspective, and I want to build in Web3 because knowing that children have such a, a, a concerning future that we're leaving for them. I mean, it's just a devastation what's happening in the world. And if we can, whatever we can do to make this next level of um, communication worldwide safer, 
for children and women, because there's a war on children and women, then I feel like it's our responsibility as creators in the space to do exactly that. Not, you know, and Lori will always say, you know, I came for the coin, I stayed for the community. And that's just the truth of it. Um, for the people who are here, I believe that they're here, not just for the coin, but they are here for the community. They're here to build and, you know, to be part of something like this is a transformative experience and literally is what keeps me going. Just thinking about the good we can do as united artists, you know, like the separation between the platforms and this and that, it's absurd to me, like mint on whatever you want, but let's all be united and be one voice because billions of dollars, I know as a fact, because it's part of my job to know, are being invested in this space all the time. They'll say something like these big institutions like Jamie Dimon from, from JP Morgan Chase. He still has something. He still calls blockchain uh, Bitcoin upon. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he actually changed his mind <laughs> in, the, in the last, what, like four or five months. Uh, and I feel like he's just cool. craving for some attention. <laughs> He's a punk. As I remember, he was just like, oh, so this was in 2017. That's how I have like a, a, a mark on him. I'm watching him. And I, you know what I want to do? I'm sorry, I'm getting off topic. But I want to like just get a, a um, like do some kind of something of all the negative things he said about blockchain and then put it like, you know, juxtapose it with how his company right now, Chase, is looking for Web3 um, professionals. So they've invested billions. They say on one side, oh, it's bad, it's bad, it's scaring the hell out of the public. Great, thanks for um, helping out. And then on the other side, he's saying, yeah, invest billions. We have to build. So they're like, and I know it's a tactic to like blah, 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 whatever, but it's still against, it's against life itself because we can do really good things for the world. Um, and just recently, at least at the, um, in the United States, he said, and I know that what you're talking about, um, how a few months ago he changed his mind, but just recently, like a few days ago or last week, whatever it was, he, um, appeared before Congress or something in the United States saying, yeah, Bitcoin's a Ponzi scheme. He's such a jerk, but anyway, I don't know. I guess he thinks he can. Right. Yeah. We should get him on, on, uh, uh to speak. I think if we could debate, uh, him, <laughs> that would be a really interesting, uh, conversation. I'm sure there will be a lot of others that would join with, uh, their opinions on that as well. Um, totally, you know, while you were speaking that, um, I had a, a word that's, um, kind of like stuck in my mind uh, and that word was uh, serendipity. I feel like you know, uh, it it hopefully worked out for you with the job, with getting that in the, in the right moment, at the right time uh, in the right place um, and I feel like, you know, with some of the connections and some of the people that we're meeting in those spaces on Twitter, uh, sometimes it's, uh, it's just a retweet that might help. Um, I did share a little bit before where I collect uh, a lot of photography from a lot of artists. Uh, I'm trying to build one of the largest photo collections in the world. Uh, it's a still a really, really long way to go towards that. Um, but in the process, um, I realized that it's not the shield threats that do the work for me, but it's somebody who would retweet um, some of the art that they see and like or collected. So it's not like, hey, it's me by my art, but more like, hey, here's somebody I found that you should look at, or here's somebody um, that I found, and I don't mind sharing and putting this on my uh, 
on my feed for others to see. And so three or four last pieces in the last week that I've collected were all basically from uh, from others as well. And as we're getting close to wrapping up, so I kind of like intended the space to run for about 90 minutes or so. Um, it's a bit over and again, it's a bit of a Friday. So some late for some, early for some others. Um, I want to say in, in a bit of conclusion to all this, is that art heals and art saves and art is a beautiful thing, you know, If and we can uh, make more of this. There's a lot of people here that uh, make really awesome art. And so if you see something that you like, share it. Uh, who knows? Maybe it's me who will be buying this. Maybe others um, in the space and others in your feed that will be uh, connecting and making more connections. And uh, obviously, you know, whether it's Twitter or other platforms, uh, whatever platform it is, I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like we should just be all wearing some T-shirts with some art uh, or whatever, like so something that we can get outside and uh, uh, and have some questions or some conversations that will be created uh, through that process of sharing art with a bigger audience, uh, not just uh, amongst ourselves, but hopefully with wider people that might not even know what's happening. And uh, yeah, it's a big, big, big world out there. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's a bit of a conclusion. I really appreciate uh, you, Lana, uh, sharing your story. Uh, that's the first time I'm hearing that. Uh, so it's it's new to me and I appreciate that. And Polly, Polly Nation, I think we know that it's time to change your last name. <laughs> it, might be, uh, it might be a sign as well. Maybe it will come to a lot of great new things. And Adam, I think, uh, Adam, you didn't realize how much of a spark you shared that our conversation went from, you know, here's the hack and here's some technical things and here's how smart contracts work uh, towards toxic positivity, positivity and all the aspects, how it affects people, people's lives. And so uh, I appreciate all of you. Um, stay tuned. We'll have more spaces coming up. Uh, we'll be changing our schedule slightly going forward in October. We'll we'll share that uh, in our newsletter, uh, which you can subscribe on sloika.xyz slash subscribe. Um, and there will be more updates where we'll be inviting guests to speak from uh, Web3 community, uh, famous photographers, investors, collectors, uh, builders. And so it's going to be uh, kind of like more of an interview slash conversation. Um, and we'll have a section for our nerdy talks where we'll unpack kind of like the stuff about the permanence, the blockchain, whether blockchain is forever or not. And hint, it's not forever, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, but it might be for a decent enough term that it's sufficient for most people. Um, so yeah, uh, with that, we're going to wrap this up. Um, again, really appreciate everybody for joining on a Friday morning or Friday afternoon, wherever you are. And uh, let's go get it. And uh, see you all Monday.